What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Welcome to Creature Feature, a production of iHeartRadio. Today on the show, playtime! It's time to have fun in the sun, or the sea, or, you know, in a rotting carcass or whatever. So, this is probably not news to you. Animals love to play! Dogs fetch balls, cats chase after strings and feathers, rats giggle with glee when you tickle them, birds like to snowboard, spiders like to fool around, and wait, spiders? Today on the show, we're going to talk about all the animals who love to play, and that list is way more extensive than you may think. Mammals, reptiles, and insects, too, have been caught just screwing around and acting like idiots for the hell of it. Why do animals play? What the hell are they doing with that octopus? Discover this and more as we answer the age-old question, can turtles play basketball? So, why do animals play? It's to prepare for adulthood, right? To hone predatory skills, to hone social skills, to learn and get smarter and better. While that may all to a certain extent be true, honestly there's so many different documented forms of play, and some of them have no clear explanation. In fact, play can be dangerous. Daredevil animals who frolic too hard can injure themselves, just as humans can. So could play sometimes just be for fun? A side effect of having a conscious brain rather than some kind of way to become a better animal? A few studies have tried to tackle whether play has always been official. A 1980 study found that kittens, when equipped with vision-distorting goggles and rendered incapable of playing, were compared with kittens that got to play with toys and romp around and pounce normally. But they grew up to be just as effective as hunting as the kittens who were able to play. So the kittens who were able to play had no observable advantage over the kittens who couldn't play. Furthermore, a meerkat researcher found that, while meerkats are an extremely playful, feisty bunch, the frequency of their play fighting seemed to have no effect on their success at dominance, and who they chose as playmates didn't seem to have an effect on their camaraderie later in life. So could kittens and meerkats play just for fun, with no real benefits? 
Today we'll be looking at all sorts of different forms of play and see that sometimes a fun cigar is just a fun cigar. Joining me today to play in this space is actor, comedian, bird enthusiast, Kimia Vipornia. Hello, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me. I didn't even know what the theme was going to be, but I am pumped. It's a fun one. Yeah. We've been doing a lot of gross ones lately. Uh, and so oh, yeah. This is a little breather from all the... Uh, Terrible darkness that has right. been my October spooktacular. Mm, but did you say spider foreplay? Well, yes. I mean, but if you don't see that as a positive, uh, I don't know what to tell you oh. because we are very spider sex positive on this show. Oh, so. my God. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I want to start out uh, with something kind of fun. So have you seen that video of the beluga playing with the rugby ball? Oh, I that sounds familiar, but I, I probably a no, just so I can see it. Let me let me show it to you just in case. And it's always worth giving it another look because it's totally. pretty great. So you can see. So it's this guy on a boat in the Arctic, and he's got a rugby ball, and he tosses it. And this beluga just chases wow, after it. really goes long. Really goes long. And? Like a dog, picks it up. Wow. There he's go. He's got it. And then he he's, well, okay, he fumbled a little bit, but he's, you know. He doesn't know the rules, Look, the rules this of is, rugby. He's he's a good candidate. He's not, he wasn't strong in his first season, but I think he's going to, he might shape up to be a real, real MVP next year. Right. He's got the raw talent, <laughs> but he has no idea how to play the game. Right, exactly. I mean, he, he hasn't, he's not developed as a team. He's, he's developed as an individual, but he's got to learn to play with the boat rather than just playing it for himself. Totally. <laughs> Oh, I'm pretending like I know anything about rugby, but he brings it back to the human. So he, he, he's playing fetch. Basically. Like, it's basically fetch and he waits and then he tosses <gasps> it again and then he's going to go after it again. He's clearly, very clearly playing fetch. What a good boy. What a good boy. Or, you know, I don't know. I just always think of, you know, I always think of dogs when in this context, but I'm like, well, they're just all animals that have similar... Exactly. I guess that's what we're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> so a little, let me give a little background on belugas, because mm. they are one of my favorite of the cetaceans. So cetaceans are aquatic mammals, which includes toothed and baleen whales. So that's basically... All the sort of flippered mammals you can think of in the ocean, mm. like whales, dolphins, from humpback whales to orcas to little yeah. porpoises to dolphins. These are all in the cetacean family. So belugas are toothed whales. So tooth, as you probably have guessed, means teeth. With teeth. <laughs> With teeth, yeah. Mm -hmm. Instead of those great. toothbrush teeth. Except the toothbrush teeth, right. That's right. baleen. So yes. that, like, that big brushy, like... Uh, you know the the like weird eyebrow like yeah mouth that fish thing. trap the fish trap exactly <laughs> broom broom mouth as we like to call them in high school okay hey there broom mouth uh, so belugas live in the Arctic oceans they are white or light gray in color and they have round fleshy bodies pretty cute yeah. They look like uh, anything you could mold out of clay. Yes, <laughs> they look they look pretty squidgy and soft. Mm -hmm. They're firmer than they look, though. They're you know it's it's blubbery. It's uh, but yeah, they sound soft still. It, I know, right? Okay. They can grow up to ten to eighteen feet long. They weigh from one thousand five hundred to three thousand five hundred pounds. Males tend to be larger than females. Uh, they used to be thought to live only about 30 years, but recent evidence suggests that they have similar lifespans to humans. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like so up to 100. 100. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at, at least maybe for, for you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> 
for for me when I toss back like entire canisters of cookies and gummy worms, maybe slightly. Yeah, but it's not about what you do. It's about how medicine can keep you alive long. That's now. true. <laughs> that is true. I what I do is I'll eat a cookie and then just take a pill, that's a random it. one, a random medication. I'm sure it'll do something good. Well, you shouldn't keep it random, but that's, <laughs> that's fine. They are unusual amongst whales in that their neck vertebrae are not fused, which means it can turn its head from side to side like a human and other mammals. So think of a dolphin. You're not used to seeing a dolphin kind of swivel its head. It, no. it can't do that. But a, a beluga can. It can. You, if you call out a beluga, it can like side eye you. It can turn around and look right in your eyes and be like, "Who are you calling? Calling them blubbery?" <laughs> it's like, "Just kidding. I know I've got lots of blubber. It's great. I love it." Uh, so. It is also known as the white whale and the melon head due to the bulbous shape of its head. Sounds like an insult. Yeah, it does. But one problem with calling it a melon head is this name has already been taken by another species of dolphin called the melon-headed whale. Oh, that's so confusing. I know, right? Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep calling it the beluga. But okay. the reason so many their scientists are so eager to call these things melon heads is because their heads are kind of melon-shaped. Yeah. And also the melon is actually the real term for... The anatomical feature of cetaceans that help with echolocation. So, it, so their heads are literally called melons. Yes. Well, it's that head bump. It's not the whole oh, the head, little, but that the, the sensor, bump. <laughs> the bumpy. It's actually not the sensor, but it, it is. It's a head bump. Yeah. Okay. It. Uh, it's like it, that cartoon bump you get when an anvil falls on your right, head. Right. Exactly. Whoo! It's the badonkadonk in the front. There you go. The front. The head. The headbutt. Yes. Uh, so this is called the melon. It's made mostly out of adipose, which is fatty tissue. It is actually a sound lens. So it helps focus and project echolocation calls, clicks, uh, chirps, and other vocalizations. So it's sort of like a megaphone made out of squishy fat tissue. Yeah. Exciting. It is, right? Yeah. It's like a flesh megaphone. I wouldn't use one. Well. I don't have to. <laughs> well, you can just project naturally. Me, Through I have a, my mouth, which is a flesh megaphone. I actually, I have a very soft voice. I have to like basically eat the microphone for anyone to hear me. So I, I could use like a, a melon microphone, like fleshy microphone, a metaphone. You know, with where medicine is at, I'm sure we can plop one on your face. I'm sure we can do just plop. The, the medical term is plopping it onto yeah. the face. After you reach uh, age 100, right. they'll give you one. Right, exactly. <laughs> I will have a body with just a bunch of random medications and doctors will, will be like, oh, you know, we didn't think the technique of taking random pills every time you ate a cookie would work, but it turns out you're a medical marvel. You're going to live forever. Yeah, joke's on everyone else. Let's put this melon head on you so you can talk louder. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so belugas are special amongst the dolphin family in that they can change the shape of their melons at will. They can even wiggle it. It's really funny. It, it looks like they're just kind of squishing Winking their heads. I don't know about that. Squishing it around. What's okay. wrong with that? That's weird. It can change the shape of a of the thing on its head. Well, right. It's imagine you said this wasn't the spooky episode. No, it's not. It's cute. It's adorable. <laughs> imagine you have a fleshy lump on your forehead. Yeah. Uh, I'm already then, out. <laughs> I already don't like it. <laughs> and then you can wiggle it around yeah. by blowing air through your sinuses. Sure. Let's say I love it. 
You you would love it. Okay. They certainly seem to love it. They do it all the time. So it's thought that this may help focus and modulate their clicks and calls. So they're sort of it's like the when if you have you ever played an instrument like a brass instrument or, mm, or anything no. that I uses, only played the keyboard. I see. Uh, well, great. So I don't have any band geeks to uh, back me up on this one right now, which is sad for me and kind of the story of my life. Whoops. But uh, so, yeah, if you change the shape of your lips, that's like the, the armature of your lips. You can change the way that you're sort of vibrating the yes. mouthpiece and then that creates different sound. They're kind of doing that, but with their, their forehead lips. Forehead lips. Right, mm-hmm. right. Which aren't their actual lips. It's just a <laughs> this protuberance of fatty tissue. Exactly. So the beluga is also known as the sea canary due to its bird-like calls. Oh. So mariners were able to hear their calls through the holes of their ship, and it actually sounded similar to bird sounds, like a canary singing. Uh, so let me give you, play you a little clip that may give you an idea of why they were called the canaries of the sea. Yes, please. Kind of like a techno yeah. canary. I know. I was like, there's that tweet tweet in the back, but then there's also all that static and the, <laughs> a canary remix. Like a robot bird. <laughs> yeah. They also can manage some pretty interesting sounds above the water. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> That's not quite a canary sound. It's no. more of a more of a foghorn sound. Let's Look hear a cow. Let's hear another another interesting. <laughs> God. Yeah, they're they're pretty good at noises. It's pretty cool. That's a bird. That's fully a bird. Yeah, that is not a bird. That is a beluga. Whoa, you got me. <laughs> so they are able to make a lot of really interesting noises. And Very so cool. that's why they're the, the sea canaries or to me they're more like a sea huge sea bird that squawks and does techno. Yeah. A techno turkey. Ooh. (laughs) So like many cetaceans, they are highly social. They form cooperative groups or pods, which are typically about 10 individuals big. They will hunt together and seek out interpersonal contact with each other. Some researchers suggest that their unique anatomy encourages even more social contact, uh, meaning so they're since they can turn their heads, they can oh, yeah. look at each other more easily. They that flexible, malleable melon on their head maybe can direct vocalizations at another individual more easily so that they may be really anatomically better at socializing with each other. That's amazing. Are they allowed to talk to other pods or just their own? No, they will actually coalesce into huge groups of sometimes up to thousands of other beluga where there are many different pods coming together. Wow. And they will actually sometimes form these nursery groups, which is a bunch of mothers and their babies and adolescents. So mothers will form triads with like they'll have a baby and then an adolescent and a mom and they do this child care together. But then sometimes they will form big nursery group like like mommy playdates with other yes. other mothers. And there's this 
positive pro-social interaction between the mothers sometimes they'll they'll just like voluntarily be midwives for each other so oh that means gosh. helping the new mother lift up the newborn calf to the surface to take its first breath which yes. is a really critical time because they they are mammals they have to breathe the air and so the calf is not strong enough to swim to the surface so you have to physically lift it up and so all these moms will come together help each other lift their calves up to take their first breath this is beautiful it really is and then the adolescents will babysit and learn how to uh, raise <laughs> raise the young so it's it's really adorable it's it's actually really cool beautiful form of pro-social behavior that's fantastic and their whistles is a form of communication they're they they also echolocate. So a lot of the clicks are just, I'm trying to see my environment. So you know how basically echolocation works. You send mm -hmm. out a click, it bounces off, comes back. They have these huge sort of visual cortex processing centers where it's like, or not visual, sorry, um, auditory processing centers where they can interpret, see their environment through this echolocation. Yeah. It's really cool. But then they they will also make weird squeaks and, and stuff, and that seems to be communicating with each other, basically talking, making out alarms, yeah. you know, a form of some, some kind of beluga form of speech that goes like, <laughs> Right. And then, and then yeah, cute whistles. Beluga jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, what, what do you call two melon heads together? A what? A, a picnic. A squawk squawk. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really terrible joke. But in my defense, I think it's true to what a beluga joke would be. Probably. Right. <laughs> and belugas are highly playful. So they will rub up against each other, chase each other, or... Sometimes they spit water at each other just for fun. How exciting! And they'll they will also spit water at humans, by the way. So if you oh. uh, if there is a, a beluga in captivity for some reason, and it's like you're you're walking around, sometimes they'll spit a jet of water at you. Just because they want to play. Because they want to play. Uh, Maybe they want to annoy you. But hey, spit water back in their face. Did I do that? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, just spit at them. Cool. S see what happens if you're at a zoo and you do that. Yeah, I'll get kicked out of the zoo. <laughs> they also like to play with sea junk that they find, like plants, wood, wood like driftwood, buoys, trash. Uh, one even was observed carrying around a dead reindeer skeleton mm. just out of curiosity. That's the weird one. No one talks to that beluga. <laughs> <laughs> I found a new toy. Okie dokie. Oh, yeah. um, we're going to go play over here. We're going to make more bad melon jokes <laughs> yeah. over here. Oh, my God. Glad but, I got away from that guy. <laughs> But, you know, that's probably why the, this beluga was caught on video playing <laughs> rugby because it's part of its natural behavior is yeah. playing around with objects. And it, I do really believe it was smart enough to figure out that if I bring this rugby ball back to the human, they're going to throw it and it'll be fun. Yeah. They're highly social, highly intelligent. Mm -hmm. I think that often you'll see a video and it's like, oh, and am I anthropomorphizing too much? Like, is it... Is this I just do that a, a sort lot, of, yeah. But I, I, in this case, I think sometimes we can, the desire to not anthropomorphize too much actually flips the other direction and we mm. don't do it enough. We think that everything an animal does has some kind of practical function rather than just maybe it's just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so this is, it's as I said, it's very similar to how dogs play fetch. So I actually wanted to look into more why do dogs play fetch and Ooh, how did yeah. that behavior come about. So... Wolves aren't great at fetch, which I think is interesting. So we've definitely bred dogs to be 
better at playing fetch. Uh, obviously, sometimes we've selected for that behavior in particular, like with Labrador retrievers. Um, it's in the name. <laughs> it is in the name. Uh, but one of the theories for why they're so playful in general, including fetch, is that they have retained juvenile traits, like puppy-like traits, and mm. we've selected for the more juvenile uh, puppy-like dogs. So we dogs. did this to the dogs? We did this to the dogs. Got I mean, it. we made dogs. Right. Dogs. From TM, wolves. Registered trademark dogs. Yeah. Copyright. What? Dogs. Oh, right. Patent pending dogs. Okay. We made dogs. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so what's interesting is that wolf puppies... Are, show a great capacity for playing fetch. So if you taught, you can train a wolf puppy wow. how to play fetch, but a wolf adult, they don't, they're not as playful as puppies. Too mature. Right, exactly. Too mature, too cool. Yeah. Like, huh, fetch, huh? Yeah, I used to play that. I did that. Now I'm into like, like I'm, I'm into, you know, you know sitting here. I'm, I'm into Ace Base, <laughs> Devo. <laughs> That's better, yeah. <laughs> uh, but with dogs, we have potentially bred in these traits that are called neoteny, which is uh, yeah. basically dogs being kids forever. So neotenous traits means a juvenile trait that lingers on in an adult. Uh, so some of the common neotenous traits in dogs is uh, fl floppy ears, shorter muzzles, smaller size, large eyes and ears, big round foreheads, kind of generally puppy-like looks. Yeah. We did all this. We did. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we bred dogs not just to have juvenile behaviors, more friendliness, more playfulness, but yeah. juvenile. sometimes we selected for those juvenile physical traits because we find them cute. Sure. It fits into the baby schema of, you know, the eye to forehead ratio where you have this big forehead, big eyes, and it, mm -hmm. it, to us that just strikes us as cuter. And sometimes juvenile physical traits like floppy ears just happen to be attached to more friendly behavior. Like so ear cartilage in a lot of domesticated animals uh, gets weaker uh, when you select for less aggression, which oh, is really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So one of the juvenile behaviors of wolf puppies is more playfulness. So with dogs... They are, it's almost like they are just eternal puppies. Like Peter Pan. Exactly. Peter Pan syndrome dogs. Exactly. Got yeah. It. So, and so in terms of like playing and fetching and retrieving, we, we also did that. Like yeah. by making them eternal children, we made, <laughs> we made fetch happen. I guess I don't know how to feel about it, but I guess it's fine. Yeah. I have a dog. I like dogs. Yeah. What to think that uh, they didn't exist until we decided to make them this way. I so. mean, we wanted to make fetch happen, so okay. we made fetch happen. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my dog d isn't good at fetch, though, so I don't know what that means. She's only good at it if you have treats. She's Oh, to bring back the thing you threw? Yes. Yeah, yes, my dog she, doesn't do that. No, no, no. She she wants something out of it, which is really sad. I, I thought that she was more pure of heart, but she's a <laughs> cold-blooded capitalist. She looks at me. She has the toy. She's like, well, and now I expect a transaction of treats to dog. Yeah, I mean, that's a smart dog. Yeah, it's a smart dog, but is it is it a fun dog? Mm, it's the dog of now. <laughs> it's it's 2019. Dogs are no longer fun. Capitalist dogs. Capitalist dogs. They know too much now. <laughs> She's running for president. Oh, yeah? I'll <laughs> vote. I don't know who I'm voting for, so I'll vote My for dog. your dog. <laughs> 
So if play is sometimes just for fun and a characteristic of young animals, does it really serve no purpose? One way to approach this question is to look into why humans play. It's easier to know why we want to play since we understand our own feelings reasonably well. Playing is fun. But there is something about play that may be beneficial to humans. Many child behavioral researchers emphasize the importance of play for children in cognitive, social, and emotional development. It's not that play makes children better at hunting or better at dominating social hierarchies. It just gives them a more enriching emotional life and makes them happier, more well-adjusted, and healthier. And for animals, when playtime isn't just honing a certain skill, maybe it's simply enriching their emotional lives. Animals, after all, can get bored, especially when they're taken out of their natural environment. When we return, we'll talk about some animals you wouldn't even think are capable of playing, and some curious little creatures who use playtime to cope with being abducted to a very strange, alien environment. We'll be right back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Remember being a young adult? Remember all those times you went out on a limb to try and meet someone new, maybe even find someone to go out with? 
All that awkwardness as you fumblingly talk to a beautiful stranger with long, slender legs, curves in all the right places, beautiful, shimmering eyes, glistening hair, elegant, meaty chelicerae, and soft, beckoning pedipalps. She's a stunning single spider, and she's wrapped her long forelimbs around you. She's been flirting with you all night, and she playfully puts your head in her fangs and whispers, Call me sometimes. We can mate, and I'll rip your head off and eat it for real that time. I didn't like any of that. (laughs) Well, sorry to say that researchers at the University of Tennessee have observed a tangleweb spider playfully flirting with each other. So this is the... Uh, I think it's pronounced Anelosimus studiosus. That sounds right to me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And it is a type of, these are tiny little spiders who build clumpy, tangled webs. That's why they're called tangle web spiders. Oh, are these the ones that I've seen on like Twitter where people are like, check this out, and it looks like a little fluff ball, and then they poke it, and a million spiders come uh, out? I don't think so. Okay, because those videos are are terrifying. Yeah, there are social, there are, so. Let me just say, they do live in North and South America, so you may encounter these at some point Very living in America. Very fun for me. So within the same species, they can be social or asocial. So social individuals live in communal groups. So it's I don't think these are the ones that form the big clumps, Yeah. but they are sometimes found in big groups. Okay. So yeah, but they're they're nice little guys, so don't, don't be too concerned. I should say here. bugs are a fear of mine, so yeah. I'm just going to be this way through this spider section. Well, let's see if let's see if I can't seduce you to this to uh, to like spiders. Okay. <laughs> so the social individuals live in these small groups. Uh, asocial ones are kind of as you would predict, aggressive to newcomers. Don't really like interacting with people. Uh, really like posting memes of the Joker online. <laughs> and it's thought that the social phenotype developed in response to harsher environments. So that made communal living a more viable survival strategy. Uh, and these social spiders of this species have also been observed flirting. So you may wonder, how do spiders flirt? That is what I wonder. Yes. So juvenile females and males will engage in mock copulation or essentially dry humping. Dry humping, yeah. Yeah, dry humping. Mm -hmm. The females are not yet sexually mature, so they can't reproduce. There's zero point to pretending to mate because they can't. Sure. And But they still engage in the behavior, mm. just sort of grinding against each other. And that's the flirt part? Yeah. They go straight for the dry hump. Straight for the dry hump. They do not leave room for spider Jesus. It's a disgrace, <laughs> and I don't know where their chaperones are. Ugh, come on. But what's interesting is it's not just they don't, they're too stupid to understand that they're not ready for sex because the females seem to understand that this is not actual sex. Yeah. And we know this because they don't eat the male's head after they do the dry humping. Oh, so that's for real. Right. When it's a real connection, when you've made a true sexual connection and you have been intimate as a spider, you, you eat the dude's head. I'm supposed to, you're supposed to sway me to like spiders. <laughs> this is spooky. But it's a commitment. It's an ultimate commitment. You're right. <laughs> well, okay, to be fair to spiders, there's only about a 30% chance that they're going to eat the male's head. But oh? So when researchers looked at the, uh, play, the playful flirtatious humping, they found that the females never ate the male spider's head, which I think is really polite of them. It's like, you know, this was just a dry run. This was yeah. a... You know, this is a test run. I'm not going to, you know, kill you during the practice game. But in the finals, yeah, I'll probably, you'll, die. you'll probably get your head eaten. But that's fine because that's, that's the for real one. Yeah. That's, that's the real show. 
It's a real performance. Mm-hmm. Is it because then the eggs are laid inside the body that's left over? No. <laughs> oh, my God. No. Now you've got me going crazy. <laughs> I mean, there are obviously there are many insects that do lay their eggs inside the bodies of prey items. But this is just a case in which the idea is that when females do eat the heads of the males, it may help increase the viability of their eggs. So that extra snack that they Whoa. get is good for good for them good wow. for the survival rate of their eggs yeah okay but they don't i mean come on don't be gross they don't lay their eggs in the bodies of their victims yeah you're right. i'm sorry i'm being gross they're not like the tarantula wasp that paralyzes tarantulas and then lays their larva on the tarantula and the larva eats its way outside of the tarantula as it develops come on kimia come on yeah don't be, I wish don't I be weird <laughs> okay well, okay, so you look really uncomfortable, so I think we will move on from spiders. Hey, that flirting was cute. It was adorable. <laughs> Just wink, 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 while the eyes keep winking. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's real spider flirting. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about geckos in space. Space, okay. space, space. Geckos in space. Mm -hmm. So uh, did you know there are space geckos hovering above us, maybe even at this moment? No. Well, there are. So, geckos are much studied animals uh, in unmanned spacecraft because researchers are really interested in seeing how they manage that Spider-Man trick of climbing up walls. Oh. So, geckos, as you may know, are really good at climbing up stuff. Yeah. And, like, really sheer surfaces, so they can even climb up glass. If you've ever owned a gecko, you know they sometimes can climb I up the not. glass tank. Kimmy, come on. <sighs> I'll go out and get a gecko <laughs> and a bunch of spiders. Yeah, well, you're supposed to go, yes, and I'll get a bunch of geckos and spiders. Uh, yeah, yes, and I will. <laughs> <laughs> so a specific species of gecko was studied. So I'm going to talk about the Turner's thick-toed gecko. Um, I mean, <laughs> it's got those thick toes, though. <laughs> Two Cs. <laughs> Thick-toed. Mm-hmm, double T's. So these are a species of gecko who are found in southern Africa and also in space. Space, space. So scientists have long been curious about how geckos manage to climb up walls. Uh, and researchers have sort of think they may have pinned it down to van der Waals forces. So th th I got to preemptively say I'm not a physicist, so this is slightly out of my wheelhouse, but I'm going to try to explain van der Waals force. Can't wait. It is an attraction or repulsion between molecules over very short distances. So the way that maybe geckos are able to use van der Waals forces is they have these microscopic hairs on their toe pads that interact with the molecules on the surface that they're climbing. So these little tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny hairs have these little molecules that get really close to the molecules on the surface that they're climbing up. And then mm -hmm. these weak van der Waals forces make it stick together. And then you just multiply that by there's so many hairs on their foot that they're able to stick. So this is just like so small, something that's so teensy. Yeah. You'd never be able to see it. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, you can probably see it under like an electron microscope. Well, yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, like, you know, like in the Spider-Man movies where you see Spider-Man and, and he's, he's got like, his fingers. He, like, looks at his fingers and these tiny hairs, right. like, poke out of his fingers. It's kind of like that. That's great. Yeah. Researchers are, of course, interested in seeing whether they can still do this in space. So they put geckos in space, essentially. Long okay. story short, we shot them into space. We couldn't just keep them down here in those fake space, you know, atmosphere thingies. We don't. 
What? We spent all the money to toss I don't them into think space. We, have, we don't have... Those so- anti-gravity space chambers? We... Kimia. What? We don't have those officially on the record. Oh. Yeah. Oh. It's, it's, we got we to gotta cut this all out of oh the podcast so we don't get, uh, <laughs> get the FBI just busting down our door. The, okay. The Area 41... Area 42? 51. 51? There you go. Okay. See, you don't even know. Well, no, the thing is, they want you to focus on Area 51. But what's going on in 41 and 42? 41 and 42, that's where it's actually happening. (laughs) Gecko aliens. So, in fact, they found that geckos can climb walls in space. So, great, cool. But they also found something else. They found that geckos like to play games in space. (laughs) So (laughs) Only in space. In space. So on board the Bion M1 unmanned spacecraft, Turner's thick-toed geckos were caught playing around in zero gravity, which is a great headline. I'm very good at headline writing, apparently. That is good. What happened is one of these space geckos wriggled out of its collar and went rogue and was just floating Ooh. around like a little stinker <laughs> and it was holding its collar and just kind of like the collar floated away because they're in, in low gravity sure and the geckos started playing with this floating collar they would boop it with their nose i see kind of push it around one gecko tried putting it on <laughs> just okay. trying it on tried to put his head through it one of them tried pinning it to the floor and then like releasing it and seeing what happens oh they're just experimenting they're just playing yeah that's fun who's the real scientist the scientists or the geckos uh the yeah still the scientists well but okay but they're doing experiments experiments on their collar yeah for fun i'm also imagining that they are all having little tiny bubble helmets uh, over <laughs> just their heads <laughs> there's just like some kind of like science noise beeping in the background and one of them has a little helmet and they're just yeah. like floating around exactly <laughs> Essentially, that's what's happening. I mean, it's zero gravity, but it's not zero oxygen, so they're they're probably fine. That's fair. Less (laughs) cute. Uh, But yeah, no, no, they do have little tiny spacesuits. Oh, good, good, good. Little tiny NASA patches on. Yes. And and when they're getting on the spacecraft, it's just this slow walk of geckos Mm -hmm. with a little helmet under their arms. Yeah. Like. And like a little gecko is like, oh, I'm so worried about my gecko husband. Oh, I hope they uh, don't forget about me. That's it. Ready. Three, two, one, blast off. (laughs) The gecko's like, just like their face is going. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All the the space things. (laughs) It's like. Houston, we have a problem. There's just a gecko turd floating around. Oh, my gosh. That was real, though, when people went up into space. Yeah, where do they poop? Uh, they poop in bags. I know. And well, I don't sometimes know that, they float but, around. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I read about this. I figure, I know they had to poop somewhere, and it must have been in, mm-hmm. you know? They, they poop in baggies and dehydrate them some t- at times, and then... And like, uh, well, the bag, right, there was an incident where, like, the poop baggies accidentally got released. Yes, and that you can, there's, like, a recording, I think it was in a, an Apollo flight, where they're uh, joking about poops flying around. <laughs> anyway, someone fact check that. It's like, oh, is this... Mm. Is this dehydrated? Whoop! No, nope, oh, it's not. It's gross. not ice cream. It's not ice cream, you guys. <laughs> so, how do we know that these geckos are playing? Like, what? I mean, we. 
to be fair, we don't. Like, we can't get inside the brain. We can't avatar inside a gecko brain yet. Um, But there's a good chance it is play based on some of the criteria that we've made for, like, what is play versus another behavior. So Mark Bekov is a behavioral ecologist at the University of Colorado Boulder who talked to Discover Magazine and uh, said that even though play is difficult to to define, it can fit a few criteria. So he said, quote, play is a kaleidoscope, a mix of different behaviors from lots of different contexts, like predatory behavior, aggressive behavior, sexual behavior. And it's this mix that allows animals to know that it's play and not something serious. So play is loosely defined as being... fitting this mix of criteria. So being voluntary, there's no obvious practical function. Uh, It's different from practical functions. Uh, It can be repetitive. Uh, It can be predatory, sexual, aggressive, or a mix of these behaviors. Mm. And the animal playing is not distressed, and it's for the most part healthy. Uh, And then if you kind of hit most of those criteria or see a combination of those things, there's a good chance that that qualifies as basically playing. Because what else is it going to be? Yeah, I don't know. We've talked about this on the show before, but octopuses will play. They like to, so there's a... They're super smart, though, yeah. They're very smart, yes. You should check out the Aliens Under the Sea episode. It's yes. We have a a guy who lived with an octopus in his living room and made friends with it. He's like an octopus researcher. That's amazing. Uh, And they're incredibly smart. They have been seen playing with... So these researchers put an empty pill bottle in their aquarium and so it's buoyant and it floated around and the yeah. octopuses were playing fetch with themselves so they were uh letting the bottle like float out and then it like would like push it with a s- stream of water and then oh, yeah. it would float back and then it'd push it again so it was playing ball very with- fun and also turtles surprisingly now what's interesting is some of these animals that we're talking about are not super intelligent so obviously Spiders basically almost don't have a brain. They have like a cluster of neurons that can is almost like hard to describe as being like a fully Whoa. functional brain. Yeah, sure. And yet they still do this interesting mimicking behavior. You're so crazy. And so turtles are obviously more complex than spiders, but they are not maybe as intelligent as like a beluga or an octopus, but they still engage in place. So uh, in the 1980s, there was this African soft-shelled turtle living in the National Zoo in D.C., and his name was Pigface. I'll show you a picture so you understand why. They have really weird snouts, so little pointy snouts. I love that. Yeah, they're they're not unlike hard-shelled turtles where they have this distinct hard shell, they are squishy boys. Squishy boys. Squishy boys. We're allowed to call this animal squishy. Yes. Great. This is definitely squishy. Yeah, it's like a lump, lumpy turtle. Okay. Yeah. Great. <laughs> With a pointy nose, and they are pretty funny looking, and they have pretty long necks. And unfortunately, pig face was having some behavioral problems. Uh, it kept clawing at itself, clawing, scratching its own face. Oh. And zookeepers were very concerned. And the common knowledge at the time was like, well, turtles can't be bored. So we don't know what why it's doing this. Well, he's literally ripping his face off right. from and boredom. Then, well, but yeah. And then the zookeeper was thinking, well, 
You know, I, I think he could be bored, actually, because he seems pretty bored. Whoa. Uh, and so they gave him a couple of basketballs to play with. And at first, it didn't seem like he was doing much with the basketballs. Official size? I Well, you know what? I don't know. Okay. For turtles, maybe. Okay. For the uh, Turtle Basketball Association, mm-hmm. the TBA. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but they recorded, uh, they set up a camera to record and see what it would do with these basketballs. And when they were v- reviewing the footage at first, it didn't really seem like much, but then they sped it up to watch the whole thing. And then once they saw it at this higher speed, it was very clearly playing with a ball like a little puppy. Whoa, they don't it, do slow mo replay. Right, exactly. Fast mo. Fast mo. Mm-hmm. Because the turtle isn't a fast animal, it's not like right. a puppy that sprints around but then when you speed it up to basically what the animal's activity level is it was playing with it he was frolicking around (laughs) booping it with his nose having a good time and i think it was a real testament to this this idea that first of all even animals we don't give that much credit for for being intelligent can still be bored can still need stimulation and enrichment especially if they're not and if they're in a tiny enclosed environment. I always think about that. But yeah. those animals that are like being rehabilitated in zoos or just have grown up in zoos where I'm like, you guys, what are you guys doing? It's a small <laughs> space. You just right. swim this way and then you go right. that way and yeah. you, that's it. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a friend who she would go around the world and try to teach people about animal enrichment, especially in captivity and rehabilitation programs, uh, because it's really important that people understand, even if you provide for all of their needs, yeah. like food, shelter, a good amount of space, if you don't give them entertainment, social stimulation, and all, and these other kind of just like fun games to yeah, play, yeah. they'll get bored and they'll start to exhibit neurotic behavior that's really uh, a sign of <laughs> bad things happening. Oh, man. Like polar bears will pace a lot. They'll like overgroom themselves and then when they introduce more toys and more social interactions then the those kinds of uh those little behaviors of of kind of almost like ocd like behaviors stop happening wow that's amazing yeah so it's i think it's really important to understand how playful animals are not just because it's cute and fun but because it impacts like how we actually treat them yeah they need it yeah they need it just one one fact rats who get tickled giggle what? They don't it doesn't sound like human giggles, but researchers found that when rats would get tickled, which they love by the way, they love getting tickled. They do? They yeah, they would run around they they would they had these squeals that were specifically associated with getting tickled. Okay, well but I thought tickling was bad. Like when humans get tickled, isn't it your body freaking out? <laughs> That's why you laugh. This is what I heard. I mean, I don't know. Like, your body tenses up and it's like natural reaction is to like laugh, but you're just like panicking so much you don't know what to do. Well, I think everyone responds to tickles differently, right? Okay. I mean, it is, it is, that is true. Like there are some theories about laughing being about like being so overstimulated that yeah. you just don't know how to respond. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly tickling can be really unpleasant but you know it it kind of i think in the rats case at least it wasn't like they weren't finding the worst spot and then tickling it relentlessly and then holding its head down and being like why are you tickling yourself while well, you're ticking, sure, tickling yourself sure. Uh, you heard about this, the rats driving cars, about how I rats have. like to drive. They like to drive. <laughs> and that's, I think what's interesting about that is that's another uh, instance of play. Yeah. Because they don't need to drive. Mm-hmm. They just enjoy it. So they made these little vehicles for rats. 
and they could learn how to drive them to get through a maze. But they found that even when the vehicles offered no actual advantage for the rats, like didn't help them with anything, they still seemed to really enjoy learning how to drive yep. and going around, honking at each other, going like, whoa, and it, you cut me off. <laughs> it brought down their like stress levels and anxiety, which is the opposite of how I feel when I'm driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of... I mean, I think that originally, probably the first people who drove, like when cars first came oh, they were out, like, this is the best, right? Like Cars <laughs> 1.0, the start of Cars. That's true. Uh, it was probably really fun because nobody was around. So for these rats, like for now, it's great, you They're guys. It. But wait until it's an actual traffic jam, uh-huh. a real rat race, if uh-huh. you know what I mean. <laughs> See if it's fun then when you. You got to get to work, and there's some guy ahead who's got his blinker on for a mile. And yeah, totally. Yeah, so they have it. They think they've got it so good now. At least for now. Instead of, hear me out. Instead okay. of automated driving, like driverless cars. I hear where you're rats going. Rats driving the cars. So they have fun. Yeah. We get to not drive the cars. Many will die. However. Isn't it worth a shot? It is. Call Google. Siri, (laughs) dial Google. (laughs) I know what burning question you have. Could dinosaurs have enjoyed playing? Could a T-Rex have romped around playing with some poor dead Triceratops' skull? Some evidence suggests that yes. So let's look at crocodiles. Now, crocodiles didn't descend from dinosaurs, but they're about as old. They evolved 200 million years ago during the Mesozoic era, and crocodiles love to play. Biologists at the University of Tennessee at Knoxville have studied the play behaviors of crocodilians using over 3,000 hours of observation. Their play behavior includes tossing around a ball, blowing bubbles in the water, snapping playfully at streams of water, carrying around bright flowers, and giving each other piggyback rides. But what about the direct descendants of dinosaurs? That's right, I'm talking about birds! Birds love to play, as many bird owners may already know. Even the more serious-seeming birds love a good time. Birds of play, like screech owls, will pounce on leaves or, in captivity, cat toys. Corvids, which is crows and ravens, love to play with all sorts of shiny objects, and a crow was caught on camera in Russia taking a metal lid to the top of a snowy rooftop, sitting on it and sledding down, only to repeat the process again and again. Black swans have been videoed surfing the waves, flying out onto the beach, finding a wave that's just cresting, surfing it to the shore, and repeating the process. I'm definitely including links to these videos in the show notes. Seriously, check them out and tell me with a straight face that these birds aren't having a heckin' good time. So here's the, here's the crow snowboarding. He's gone to the top of the roof, snowboards down, he picks up the lid. The bottom gets back up there wow. and does it again. And the great thing about being a snowboarding crow is you don't need a skila. No way. You no can wait time. Right no wait times. You can just fly back up and he's gonna do it again. Oh yeah. He's just having a good time there. Ride that powder, dude. Yeah. Yes. That's some good he's got some he got some good air there. It takes a lot because he's like he's also using his wings, so yeah. it's like a skill. Yeah, this, it uh, is. Crowboarding. He's crowboarding. Nice. Yeah, that's what it said on the video. Oh, I didn't come up with that. Well, it's a good one, anyway. Gotta credit that vid. <laughs> Here's some swan surfing. 
So here's a group of black swans going out into the ocean. They find a good wave, surf it back Whoa. to shore. And then what's incredible is it doesn't seem like it's just a mistake because then they fly back out like, to find another wave. Again. Gotta try that again. <laughs> yeah, bro, catch the wave. <laughs> oh, nice. Tubular, dude. Good swell. <laughs> In fact, it seems more likely that most animals engage in some form of play, whether it's locomotion playing, like enjoying sledding or surfing or crowboarding, play behaviors and pretend flirtations, but there can be a dark side to playing. When we return, we'll learn that Mother Nature lets you play with your food, and sometimes your food plays back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier, connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Imagine you're strolling along on a nice day. The sun is shining, the birds... Well, that's weird. The birds have stopped singing. Something is off. You feel a deep trembling, something rising from the ground. Suddenly, a huge appendage rises from beneath you, tearing apart the ground. It scoops you up and tosses you high into the air. You fall down, expecting to meet a quick end, but that's when you land on something soft and fleshy. You come to the horrible realization that this giant monster has caught you on its appendage. Well, this is it. Hopefully getting eaten won't suck as bad as you thought it would. 
But then you feel the air whoosh around you as you're tossed again high into the air. So high the air thins and you can barely breathe. You land again with a thud into the monster's grasp. You're pretty sure most of your bones are broken at this point. And again, it tosses you. Why doesn't it kill you? What is this, some kind of sick game? And that's when you realize, it is a game and you're the ball! Oh no. Yeah, isn't that spooky? It, that one's spooky too. These are all spooky! You <laughs> tricked sorry. me! I'm sorry, this is one of, if you can believe it, this is a less spooky episode. <laughs> I believe it. The other ones have a lot of parasites and, you know, disembowelment. Let's say no more. Although speaking of disembowelment, Kimmy, I want to welcome you to the life of a fish who is unlucky to encounter nature's most adorable <laughs> asshole, the dolphin. Uh-huh. So, dolphins love to yeet fish right out of the water. Okay. Uh, dolphins have this hunting strategy where they will forcefully kick a fish out of water with their flipper. And when the fish is stunned, obviously after flying through the air and smacking yeah, someone onto just the water. you out of right, the water. Right, exactly. It's like someone just threw you into the air. Oh my goodness. You can't breathe. Nope. And, right. So the dolphins will take advantage of these shocked fish and then eat them because they're horrible monsters. Those little assholes. <laughs> Everyone loves a dolphin. They're so mean. But what's interesting is they don't just do this to hunt. So they will also play with their food after they've already caught it. Dolphins have been observed tossing fish over and over again before eating them. And it's speculated that sometimes this is practical, so they may be making sure that the fish or octopus that they caught or whatever prey item is truly dead so that they can swallow it without choking, which is a pretty reasonable thing to do. Okay. But sometimes they just do it because they can, and it doesn't seem to have any real practical purpose. And so, as we talked about before, that would qualify it as play. Yeah. Uh, dolphins have been observed playing ball with things they have no intention of eating. Uh, sometimes dolphins have been observed dragging seagulls under the water, dunking them, playing around with them for a few times before releasing them unharmed but super frazzled. I think we can't say play and we need to call this bullying. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphin bullying. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess uh, I guess it is. They are essentially pa- like giving the birds swirlies, right? Exactly. Yeah. They're they're the big the big man on campus, bunch of footballers playing around, yeah. with dead fish, dunking on seagulls. Hey nerd bird. <laughs> oh, and yank him underwater. <laughs> Dang. So they also like to pull and tug on turtle tails and legs, which is super mean. Yep. Yeah, unless they got a crush on those turtles. <laughs> give them a little tug. I don't like you. I'm just shut up. Shut up. Get I'm gonna chase you though. <laughs> Not because I like you. They uh, will even stalk sharks and mimic their movements. Wow, the more we talk about yeah, it, the it's more a, these, are, they're these are jerk teenagers, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, look at oh, me. I'm a, oh, I'm a shark. Oh, I'm a shark. Oh, I'm a shark. Duh, I'm a shark. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, just leave me alone. Duh, look at me. I'm a shark. <sighs> yeah. I don't have bones. I got cartilage. Duh. <laughs> See, you're good at this. Be Man, maybe I was a dolphin in, the, in a past life. I think so. Dolphin bully. <laughs> And orcas, who are actually members of the dolphin family, uh, like to go shark tipping. They will flip over sharks, which makes them really easy to torment and eat because when sharks are tipped over, they go into this state of catatonia where they they don't move. They just kind of like Like sheep? Like sheep, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's kind of like cow tipping, but with sharks. And sometimes they do eat them also. 
Yeah. What? Yeah. The dolphins eat the the orcas will eat the sharks. Oh, that oh yeah. orcas were on orcas. Now. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, yeah. orcas are orcas they are, are actually a dolphin. A dolphin. Yeah. But that's what I'm thinking of. You know, the black and white whale. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's a dolphin. And dolphins are whales. Understood. It's confusing. <laughs> yeah, but they're all called. What was that first category? No, those are just Cetaceans. the whales. Yes. 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 So cita- so toothed toothed whales are mm-hmm. dolphins and other other toothy whales and orcas are in the dolphin family. We'll remember this. Yeah. Yes. So dolphins are whales. Orcas are whales. Orcas are also dolphins. And yes. Cool. <laughs> so this actually reminds me a lot of cats, like how cats will p- play with their prey. Oh, yeah, they're flicking their food around all the around. time. So I, I had a cat when I was growing up. She's a real, real sweet cat, but just a vicious killer would kill, probably, you know, killed off a few rare bird species in her lifetime. Wow. She would was very good at catching mice and birds she loved to come up to our back door which was a clear uh, glass Mm -hmm. door and you could look out and she saw us and she'd have a dead mouse and she'd like this was her little stage and she'd put on a theater show and she would toss this mouse up disembowel it just a confetti of blood and guts and she was watch. she'd look at me to make sure i was watching as she tore this mouse to shreds and she had so much fun and i think she was probably this is sort of a maternal or social behavior where she's thinking like i'm going to show you how it's done yeah and had a really good time and, but i think it was also just fun for her it sounds like it. um benny hana makes me think of like a cat You're teppanyaki right, chef right. it's just she's like, like flipping it around d- and... does that little <laughs> onion volcano but it's made out of dead mice exactly <laughs> <laughs> so like dolphins, uh, cats may play with their prey partially to kill it and disable it so that it doesn't hurt them. Uh, so it makes it easier to eat. It prevents them from scratching them. But it's probably, I think, also really fun. I mean, cats also play with toy mice for yeah. no purpose. They seem to really enjoy it. Did you see that video of that cat that ran out onto the, the football field? No. Oh, that was okay. You got to link that. So here's here's the the oh. cat running out onto the field. Just it's so funny. So it's this huge black cat. It's a real chonker, and <laughs> uh, he he or she I don't I don't know who this cat is, but runs out onto the field and looks momentarily stunned as thousands of people look on. Oh my uh, gosh, this is a cat's nightmare. I, I mean. But do you think the cat is? Do you think this is like a cat form of streaking, or do you think the <laughs> yeah cat one of those cat one of that cat's buddies was like, I bet right. you can't do this. I bet you wouldn't run uh, naked across the football field. Yeah, I would, guys. I really would. <laughs> watch me. Just watch me. I I wonder. Or do you think the cat was like looking for the bathroom, made a wrong turn, and suddenly it's oh, in the middle of the stadium shoot. and it's like. Oh, kibbles and bits. (laughs) Shoot, shoot, shoot. Just keep running. No one will see you. Just keep running and everyone saw you. They're all looking. (sighs) So one thing that I think is really interesting is that big cats like lions, leopards, tigers, all those those big old Mm -hmm. old furry death machines are basically just big cats. They're a lot like domesticated cats and vice versa. So big cats love to play with their food as well. And it is truly psychotic so there was a video of a leopard caught who was dismembering a warthog corpse i mean which is that's normal so far so far so good it's butchering this warthog corpse to eat it cool normal normal leopard stuff but then it picks up the warthog's jawbone and uses the jawbone to stir around its own 
carcass. So it's like it's mutil basically mutilating this warthog just for fun. This is so got, icky. Right. It's like, huh, it's got this this jawbone. It's like, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Oh, no. <laughs> really uh, psychopathic behavior. Truly. And, <laughs> right. And it doesn't seem to serve any like some people were wondering, oh, is this tool use or something? It's oh, like, yeah. no. It doesn't serve any purpose. It didn't accomplish anything. It was just like, wonder what happens if I shove this in here. It's like, <laughs> mm, yep, art. That's that. <laughs> art, yeah. Art. I've made art. <laughs> uh, and big cats will also play with their prey while they are still alive. Uh, often a big cat like a lion will catch something small like a little antelope or other ungulate. And once the prey is tired and stops running, sometimes the prey will just like go into this state of catatonia where it will lie down and stop trying because it's so exhausted. Yeah. And this is actually not a bad technique always because if you don't have any more energy to run, your best bet is to lie down, hope that there is a break in the cat's attention so that you can make a dash for it once you've recollected yourself. So hard to uh, be an animal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once the prey has calmed down, uh, sometimes like when it, it's just stopped running and it's just laying there kind of like dumbstruck the the cat will play around with it like kind of smack it around put a big paw on it they'll even groom it sometimes this is sick i know right <laughs> and they can appear really gentle like oh i'm now adopting this this little antelope this but is scary you said this is so spooky <laughs> that's to be like hello my pretty oh no i'm just taking care of you i'm just gonna give you a little brush it's you like look so good oh, it's, <laughs> it's like that um is split that that shamal for that's Shyamalan yeah, I didn't movie. see it. The yeah. Night Shyamalan multiple yeah. personalities movie. Yeah, with what? What's that actor's name? James McAvoy. Yeah, McAvoy? Mm -hmm. yeah. You and know all the info. I know. I I just play stupid about movies. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, it's, it's he's got these multiple personalities, and one of his personal or I guess a few of his personalities are crazy actually. But one of them wants to kidnap and eat these kids these girls I'm and i'm not like, gonna see this movie <laughs> and well i didn't watch it either but uh okay what i like to do is there are movies i'm too too scared to see too spooked to see so but you read up. i read it up i read it on wikipedia because mm -hmm. i'm curious but i don't actually want to see it because totally. i am a weenie yes and so he catches these these girls and then one of his personalities is, is like this sweet grandma or sweet mother <sighs> and he starts like braiding their hair and says i made you a sandwich i don't like those i made you a sandwich oh you have such pretty hair uh, it's basically what these lions what these are doing lions are yes doing. so most of the time once they get bored or hungry then they just kill the the prey item oh it's just so gosh. it's such a it's such a jerk thing it's like well i'm bored now so as long it. as you're a very entertaining prey. right right it's like it's like wait 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 i can see i can juggle da, 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 so da. Cartoon Lion King was accurate when Scar had Zazu trapped and he was yeah. like, oh, I'll sing you a song. Oh, watch that, me dance. That movie has a lot of inaccuracies, but that that's one. That's the one. That's the one that is <laughs> correct. Exactly. Uh, lest you think that it's just male big cats that are jerks, uh, lionesses are just as terrible. Uh -huh. So lionesses were observed killing doves even though they had no need for the dove meat because they were like neck deep in an elephant carcass. Oh, so uh, they were clearly not hungry because they had just finished gorging themselves on this elephant carcass. And a flock of doves landed nearby and they paused to admire the beauty and elegance of these doves. And it's like, 
one of them is just like, I'm going to kill them. Oh. So they start jumping around, playing with these doves, trying to snatch them out of the air. And there was no need to do this. Absolutely no need. Mm. One of them caught a dove and killed it and was just like, that was fun. This is bad. I mean, it's the same thing as when your cat, who is fully fed, goes out and kills a bird and disembowels it and doesn't eat it because yeah. it's just fun. It's just fun to kill, I guess. Yeah. Now I'm. Now I don't like cats. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's a fun revenge story. So sometimes your food will play back, and okay. it will be really annoying. So there is this video of a hippo playing with a crocodile. Now. Typically, adult hippos are not on a crocodile's menu because they are big and they are scary. And you should be scared of hippos. Yeah. They will mess you up. That's what I've heard. They are not kidding around. No. Yeah, they'll chase you and they kill a lot of people. Okay. More, I think they kill more people than... Any other animal? No. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to tell everyone. <laughs> no. I mean, the number one killer is probably mosquitoes, actually. Oh, God. Because of diseases. But no, no, they, they kill a handful of people every year. But they're, they're not, like, they're not super dangerous. They're just more dangerous than, like, if you're afraid of, I think, lions. I think they kill more people than lions, maybe. Okay. Essentially, even if you're a cro crocodile, you don't want to mess around with adult hippos. Mm -hmm. But hippo calves are soft and squishy and delicious, apparently, if you're a crocodile. Okay. But there is a video of a hippo calf who is maybe a little too much of a mouthful for this crocodile. And uh, she just tortures this crocodile, plays with it. And she's not being aggressive. She doesn't show any, like, signs of aggression or fear or territorialness. She's just having fun. So she chases the crocodile around, tugs on its tail, romps around, wrestles with it, and the crocodile keeps trying to escape. And Whoa, this is a bold little hippo baby. I know. It's really funny because – and so the crocodile is, is surrounded by other hippos too, so it's probably thinking like I can't do anything without getting completely destroyed. <laughs> right. So it, it doesn't try attacking the hippo. It just keeps trying to – get away from wow. this playful little little hippo and uh so here here's the hippo and it's uh, it's really <laughs> <laughs> just uh really interested in the crocodile and the crocodile seems less than thrilled keeps trying to get away i know and <laughs> crocodile's just yelping like please just yeah, please go away <laughs> come on leave uh, me alone yeah and it's pretty funny it just like keeps torturing it runs around like like plays with it underwater, pulls it underwater, and oh rolls goodness. around. <laughs> oh, this crocodile! It's just hangs. It's like you're my new best friend, and this crocodile's like, please no. So over it. <laughs> like wow, even on land, I thought I could escape, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. nope. Sniffing his butt. Uh, get out of here! <laughs> so it's like pull, literally just like pulling on its tail. It's kind of funny to see because it's you think of crocodiles as being these ruthless killers and. But really, they're kind of wimps when they know that the tables could easily be turned against them. Yeah, and, I like to see that bothered crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> and the croc only got to escape when a herd of elephants showed up and chased off the hippo, probably because the hippo was being really annoying. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, there's this other really cute thing where, I mean, hippos hippos are bold. So there's a uh, photo of a hippo just kind of like sniffing around a hyena. Oh, boy. Booping its nose. 
And it, it's usually what's interesting to me too is that these are young hippos, so they're more curious. Sure. And this this young hyena and this young hippo were just kind of sniffing at each other. They're not. They're naturally not really friends because uh, hyenas. I mean, hyenas. I don't think typically go after fully grown hippos because that would be a very bad idea. It's a bad matchup there. It's bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to work out in their favor. But definitely, a little baby hippo would be more more their style. Yeah. Uh, and they they work as a pack, so they can take down things that are pretty big. But yeah, it is it is funny that it's you've got these two guys that are kind of natural enemies in a sense, but they're so young they don't know. They don't know. It's like a, it's a fox and the hound. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a sad movie. Really was. I don't understand why she didn't just like murder her neighbor, the the old lady who had to get sure, rid of her fox. Sure, that's what she should have done. Well, right, because like he keeps trying to shoot her fox. Like he does, then, but like, he's like, why have a fox as a pet? I'm well, like, then Ugh. she just shoots him and is like, oops, I thought you were a fox. Wink, wink. As oh he's yeah, dying. <laughs> Right. Much better ending. <laughs> that was a screwed up movie. It was. Because doesn't it end with the, so the fox makes friends with the hound when they're both puppies and yep. a kit and a puppy. And, and they then, have to kill each other. Right. And then like he goes hunting, the old man that owns the hound goes hunting and mm-hmm. the, the hound that used to be his friend is like, oh, but I have to kill you because I'm, it's like, no, you don't. You don't have to. You don't have to. And then it just ends with them, I guess sort of deciding not to kill each other yeah. but then the older dog dies tense. yeah the older dog dies or gets injured no one dies right because then they show him at the end like this is a disney movie the dogs right. are just in casts <laughs> the dog has a cast the dog has like a leg cast and People walks on crutches signed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. the fox signs it like i know you're trying to kill me for <laughs> sport but hope you feel better soon exactly don't break a leg oh you already did it <laughs> 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 Do you have any uh, any fun play stories? Do you have any pets or any kind of like fun playtime stories? Uh, let's see. Well, my I guess this is normal dog stuff, but uh, my dog rips up all of his uh, stuffed animals. But yes. here's the fun fact: I have a one-eyed dog, mm-hmm. and I was putting his toys away. This is like a couple months ago, and I found three of his toys where he'd bitten one eye off of each toy. I was like, this is. Crazy. Does it? You're a one-eyed dog. You can go. Yeah, I have pictures of it that I can show you. Uh, I think I, I think I saw you posted this. Oh on yeah, Twitter. I was on Twitter. I was like, my one-eyed dog bit one eye. That's toys. crazy. Is it always the same eye? Uh, no. I don't no, your dog's so stupid. Jeez, yeah, you can't even be consistent. Doesn't pattern. even know what his right from his left. What an idiot. That is interesting. Yeah. You think he has? Do you think it's like some kind of like? body relation thing where it's like no i i only have one eye so, so everyone else must too has he ever like made a go at you like uh, i no. see you have two eyeballs human let's see if we can't fix that he has played with my parents dog and there was a moment where like they got too tired of chasing each other and they're just both laying down and my dog was like licking my parents dog's eyeball and he's like huh i thought that was a, like a elvis you better take care of this this is like an you m night when you'll this, lose this this is like an m night Shyamalan <laughs> movie where it's it's the dog, it has one eye, but then it goes insane and decides everyone must have one eye. I think that's what's going on with my dog. Yeah, yeah. Or he's playful. Or oh, he's just a playful good boy. <laughs> Who's like, I must steal the eyeballs. Yeah. Like, Who's a good boy? The eyeballs will be mine, master. <laughs> he's got a big fixation <laughs> on eyeballs. Sometimes I catch him looking at himself in the mirror like he didn't remember wow. that he's just got the one and he stares. I have... One eye. 
I must correct the situation <laughs> yeah. with my toys. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's fascinating. It's pretty wild. That's pretty crazy. Oh, no. Dogs are smart. Dogs are, they are. uncannily smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my dog, um, her claim to fame is she likes to fart as soon as she sits in your lap. Kind of claiming you. Wow. Yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't like the idea of a dog trying to, like, de-eyeball everything it comes across in. Okay. But, you know, I, oh, sure, judge my dog I'm for farting. I'm judging your fart judge dog. Judge my <laughs> fart dog, sure. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me today. You got anything to plug? Can people follow you on things? Can they look at you? Yes, yeah. If you got, Well, if you want to see this uh, dog photo, I think I pinned it on Twitter. So go at childclown underscore because someone else had to be childclown and they won't let me have it. Uh, or on Instagram at childclown also. Great. Got yeah. any got any shows or anything? Um, I got shows. If you want to come by to UCB in Los Angeles, I perform on the Herald Team Leroy. So uh, check the schedule and come check us out. Nice. Mm-hmm. You can find us online, as always, on the internet, CreatureFeaturePod.com, CreatureFeaturePod on Instagram, CreatureFeetPod on Twitter. That's F-E-A-T, not F-E-E-T. The other one is very different. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this here dang old podcast. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe, download, press the stars, all, all those buttons down, buttons and whistles and gizmos. And that, that actually really helps us out when you leave a rating and a comment and subscribe. It's, it's, it's a free way to boost us. Boost us in the algo, you guys. <laughs> Thanks to the Space Cossacks for their super spooktacular song, Exolumina. Creature Feature is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. See you next Wednesday. Crowboarding. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.